Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. I'm going to give a warm, well, I'm going to say warm because it's our first snowy morning in Calgary. This is going to, this is going to air in a couple of weeks, but this was that, uh, this was that Wednesday morning that you woke up and there was snow on the ground. Good morning, everyone. I'm chatting with Mr. Norm Bogner. How are you, Norm? Oh, I'm excellent. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, you and I met a few weeks as, as the Calgary way through a mutual contact and found ourselves on a phone call. And I was really curious about what you guys were all about at, at Zero Sound, which we'll get into in a second. Maybe talk a little bit about what you guys are working on, but also really wanted to share your experience and your perspective, more importantly, with our audience on the startup ecosystem in Calgary and kind of what that journey has been like for you. But before we get to that, let's do, uh, let's, what's, who, who are you and what's Zero Sound all about? Sure. And again, thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Um, My pleasure. Who am I? Uh, Norm Wagner, born and raised in, in Edmonton, so hold off your judgment, <laughs> uh, but uh, lived and worked uh, uh, globally uh, over in Europe for a number of years, based in Munich, five years, IT strategy consulting back in Vancouver, and then the prodigal son almost returned home uh, and been in Calgary for the last uh coming on 10 years. Okay. And uh, so over the past 24 years, as I mentioned, just worked in everything, worked and led mid-sized companies, with, um, had successful exits, done international development, worked with multinationals, uh, based in Europe for a number of years, and then was recently president of one of uh, Atco's divisions before Zero Sound came calling. And uh, that is that's where I am currently, and uh, also involved in as a partner in uh, two wineries based in, in Napa. So there's a lot of things going on. I do like the build. I like the excitement on the entrepreneur side, but also have the stars to uh, show that it's uh, not always easy, which I think is some of the things we're going to be talking about today. Yes, it's, it's very easy to glamorize and look at look at the end result and not always understand the fully the, the full journey that went into it, and that it maybe wasn't always what uh, wasn't always red carpets and flashbulbs. <laughs> 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 absolutely absolutely so in terms of uh, zero sound uh what zero sound is about is we address the the problem of urban noise and noise pollution which is a global issue that is growing um more and more daily um, urban urban uh, concentration as we know is just uh, growing uh, no matter what region you are in the world so what we've got here is we're addressing a global problem that's neither culture or border specific and, and what we do, uh, to bring it at a, at a high level, is we're involved in active noise cancelling and bringing a, a brand new patented technology towards that. And to, the best way to understand active noise cancelling is if you imagine dropping two pebbles in a pond, those pebbles generate waves, and when those waves would hit together, they cancel one another out. That's essentially active noise cancelling in its simplest example, uh, because sound waves work much in the same way. And that's what the Zero Sound platform does. We're all familiar with noise cancelling headphones, Bose, Apple earbuds, um, and otherwise. And those work fantastically well on the same premise of active noise cancelling. Uh, but what they're challenged is, is that they don't scale. They're only doing it one person at a time. It's working for you, working for me, but not on broader applications, whether indoors or out. And that's where Zero Sound shines, and that's where our technology is, is truly unique. So we've invented a patented uh, active noise control technology that cancels noise problems impacting where consumers and industry meet. 
So a zero sound, are the, the sound waves are mitigated or canceled on impact um, in real time and continuously. So unlike the traditional methods, as I mentioned, uh, zero sound can be customized for small spaces, large indoor and outdoor areas, and pieces of equipment. So the applications just really start to get the head spinning. Yeah, no, I, I, exactly what I was like, just starting to build this list in my mind. So as a, uh, as a startup on, on a journey, which we'll kind of talk a little bit about today, where, where are you guys and maybe just understanding like you understood there was a problem or was there was a need? I'm always curious where these things got started. Like, was it a back of a napkin somewhere or did somebody in the right community hear about a problem that a large industry specific was having? Like, where are you guys at in that cycle? And maybe how did that journey even start for you guys without going full to fully into the uh, origin story? But I'm always like, how did you get Right. today mm-hmm. at a high level it's one of the, these uh, almost uh, almost a 10-year overnight success story where okay. my uh, I'm co-founder but the the founder uh, was out in Naramata and uh, living in beautiful wine country and the Harleys up and down the road were driving him nuts and uh, he always had this concept in his head that you know there's got to be something that can be done about it and tinkered with it he's got other patents he's a very creative uh, uh, person um, with that skill set, but he's also got a business uh, acumen as well. And uh, unfortunately, at that time, the technology hadn't caught up to what he wanted to do. Let's fast forward now to about three years ago, technology had caught up, good old smartphones have helped us out in processing power, um, micro microphones, as well as just a number of other uh, supporting back-end technologies. And all of a sudden, what he had been thinking became possible. Uh, He investigated it more, um, built a concept uh, essentially in in his basement, and went from there, got some advice from UBC. Fast forward again, him and I got involved uh, together in a previous startup. We started talking and thinking, okay, well, this has legs. We know what the problems are when... When sound becomes annoying, it's called noise. So we've all been there, whether it's the neighbor mowing the lawn at three in the morning or three in the morning, partying, (laughs) the neighbor partying till three in the morning. I appreciate his enthusiasm to get that lawn cut, maybe. (laughs) When he starts getting lights on his lawnmower, I actually have a buddy that would do that. So that's a whole nother story. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Yeah, so that's, you know, we, we went to Saint and uh, had third-party validation of this concept that we could actually do everything that we had intended. And we worked with their uh, their Ares lab, and uh, they they validated the technology works, the concept works, and uh, that brought us to uh, to kicking off zero cell. And at that point, had you guys identified like you, you identified a, a problem solution fit? Had, at that point, was there a product market fit? Did you know who was going to be the target for that? And I'm always curious. Sometimes it's it's a really good idea looking for a place to land, or there's it's that push pull kind of version of it. I think many startups get the amazing idea, but then all of a sudden, product market fit, which is such a popular term that gets thrown around these days. I don't think it's new, but I think it's becoming more mainstream as a term. I'm hearing it everywhere now. That seems yeah. to be a real. That's a sneaky. That's, that's a tricky beast just to, to, over, to oversimplify beast. it. Yeah, and, and you're 100% right in terms of chicken and egg on that one. And I really think that is situational, if that's a cop-out uh, comment. But it, I think in our case, um, as I refer back to the head-spinning comment, there was just so many applications that we, we could identify 
take a screen window. Conceptually, we can make a screen window that you can look through, see through, but it won't let the noise through. That was initially where we were talking. But let's get back to some reality here. That Call that the iPhone 5 or 6, and we hadn't built the iPhone yet. So um, that's where we, we backed up, looked at a more simplified market focus where it just needed to work. It didn't have to be pretty. And that's where we targeted. So we, we targeted, the, targeted the industrial segment, which is already on its own quite large. But that's where there, the needs were across the board. And as I said, the look, feel, and the otherwise didn't matter as much. It just needed to work. So that's where our product market fit started. Interesting. Okay. Uh, curious, what, did you guys choose, again, was it by default, you said you had a partnership with Sate, which I appreciate the role academia can play in that. And I've had lots of good guests on talking about where they really said, hey, like if it wasn't for this institution, we wouldn't have got where we are. But what about where you guys chose? Because, you know, obviously someone with a global background such as yourself, sounds like the founder was, was already out in BC. Was there a reason that you guys, I don't want to say came back to Calgary was, I guess, did you choose Calgary or was it just circumstantial? And then we'll get into kind of what the highs and lows of that journey have been right primarily circumstantial uh, yeah. Kelowna well that's got a great burgeoning tech scene mm -hmm. I was based here um, I was brought on um, from a board membership position then to the uh, president CEO position to, to lead it and it just made the most sense all the partnerships that we've developed or I could develop through my network here in Calgary on a whole host of areas just made more sense okay. so it's primarily circumstantial so now let's talk about the, the, now that you, so you're here and it was circumstance that got you here and I get it. It's close to home. It's, you know, you're, you're just where we are sometimes plays a huge factor just because we're there. Like, let's be honest. It's not always this huge workflow decision. Like, well, we're here and we know some people, so let's do it. How's it been? Like, what has been the highs and lows of, you know, you've, you've had the, the, the opportunity and, and the benefit of working all over the world and seeing different ecosystems and how they function. Looking for some insights on kind of Calgary, like what are we doing well and what can we do better? Right. Yeah. And let, let's start on the positive because, you know, we all, it's, uh, it, it's easy to, to pile on at times and uh, we'll get into the areas of improvement, no doubt. But what I have noticed, especially in the last year or so that the tech scene um, in Calgary has improved greatly. There's a lot more dialogue. There's a lot more activity. It is maturing. Uh, but then again, in my opinion, the bar was, was, uh, Sidewalk height. Yeah. Um, I don't think too many people would, I don't think there'd be a lot of arguments on that. Certainly from people I talked to, like we're doing better because we had nowhere to go but up. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that a hundred percent. And then you've got companies, uh, unicorns like Asolium and companies like Benevity and with what Adabotics is doing currently, fantastic with absolute global reach. Uh, great recent examples of success, uh, whether that's in spite of or complementary to um, uh, the ecosystem here we can get into. And, and even from a Cal the city of Calgary perspective, they have a group called uh, Living Labs, and they have been fantastic support, super nimble, eager, working to support us in every way. And, and what that is, is they have a, uh, uh, they give you access to Calgary's infrastructure where there are issues, whether that's a construction site in our case or some, some problem areas with noise. Tell us what you need. We'll try and find something to help you out. It's not a paid 
anything but its access to to these uh, to this infrastructure, which is got to give a, a shout out to them because they have been uh, terrific up to now. Uh, well, no. I'm assuming that's a that's a hugely beneficial for the journey of proof of concept and being able to use those as because again we all everybody loves case studies. Show me where you have put this into practice. So being able to put it into a real situation, uh, the credibility being with a large scale municipality, I'm sure that that can carry a lot of weight down the road when you get into RFP situations when it's the classic. If you don't give me a chance to get experience, how can I show that we have experience with our with our product or our solution? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So that, that's a great, the conceptual element around that program is, is bang on and uh, the people that are, that are leading that got to uh, really give them the compliments. Uh, but where we get into the challenges here is around innovation and, and Calgary. So it's the old adage, if you want to do something new, you have to do- stop doing something old. <laughs> and, uh, the cost of opportunity, this is something, yeah, I got to make, yeah. make room. <laughs> And innovation, of course, means risk, a little overused word, but innovation means risk. And Calgary, um, from a tech perspective, is risk averse. Uh, While there's an entrepreneurial thread um, here, that risk aversion, when it comes to areas that are outside of the traditional, and we we know this, we hear this every day, um, it's just, it's an absolute challenge regarding tech um, from a revenue, or not revenue, from a uh, finance in a, a capital raise perspective, mm-hmm. very difficult. Um, if you're an early stage company, an early stage meaning pre-revenue, which is kind of two four-letter words uh, mm-hmm. put together if you're trying to raise cash, um, whether it's um, angels, otherwise or some more sophisticated investors come back to us when you've got um, annual recurring revenue, half million, million. And if it's a government program, what show us your last two years have 2 million ARR and we would be happy to come in and, and help you out. So there's a, the Valley of death there in the pre-revenue company uh, is an absolute more than a Valley. It's a chasm, at least in our experience of trying to raise funds to get us, to get the company to the stage where you can be at revenue. This is product development. This is refinement. You can work to de-risk as much as you want or as you can, but without those funds, uh, it's, it's a slow go. Do you find, I have so many, I have a million questions I want to unpack around that whole topic. First of all, magic wand, how do we fix it? But um, if you're looking at what you guys do as, would you guys say, like, if you're going to just say, well, we're a hardware-based business, like you you make physical things that solve the problem versus potentially, you said, solely and Benevity, both more, I'm really oversimplifying, but more software-driven solutions or more knowledge-based, where, you know, I'm looking at your website right now, you're physically holding a piece of a piece of a piece of equipment in your hand. Is there any difference around times of how this market approaches that? Because it's easy to say tech is this blanket. I think that's it, it oversimplifies. Right. Um, in, in our case, we're a hardware and a software platform. So for our concept to work with our custom panels, we're measuring the sound waves coming in. That's so we're, we're capturing that data goes through our algorithm, and then our algorithm tells our our pan, custom panel to produce the anti-sound waves to let that, uh, to reduce that noise. And so with that, we are, there's the custom hardware, but there's also a software solution. And if we extend that, we have a a SaaS model based on the data that we're collecting. So getting back to your question, we hit, depending on your audience, we hit 
the hot button, people love hardware, yes. If, if it's software and a SaaS model, yes and yes. We So we cover that and it's it's been interesting. Um, bit of a chameleon over the last year and a half where everyone wanted SaaS. Now it's backed off a little bit where they would like a combination of a hardware and a software play. But then again, it also just depends on who you're speaking with. <laughs> yes, the ultimate, who's my audience, who's who's in the room. And from your experience being in other markets, and I'm assuming from a raise perspective, you, you guys as a group have tapped into other markets outside of Western Canada, maybe outside of Canada. Do you notice a, a significant difference in, I don't want to say sophistication, but maybe appetite for the things that you talked about, about this, when you're, you're pre-revenue, you've got the idea, you've got the potential, there's that risk aversion that's very prevalent and it's been brought up by multiple guests on the show that happens in Western Canada, some very passionately about how frustrated it makes them. When you go to other parts of the globe, let's just think on a broader scale, is, is there just more comfort in that, in that chasm than there is here? There is, yeah. Um, just in, in general, that risk aversion uh, diminishes even as you go east uh, okay. from a Canadian perspective, but then significantly, as we well know, uh, south of the border. Um, even in our case, where now we're, call us early revenue, uh, we've secured a, a contract with a, a, a global blue chip uh, manufacturer who happened to be manufacturing fire trucks, but we are in there reducing noise for first responders both inside the cab and then outside the truck once they're on the accident uh, uh, scene. And, and even with that, with a global blue chip, rateable revenue, we're going to be standard equipment in all their um, production going forward. There was still um, that was still considered back to the context of, of Western Canada. It was still it's almost a feeling of still a little too early. And when you think of how how much do you need to de-risk? You cover IP tick globally covered done blue chip client done rateable revenue going forward. Okay, get that it hasn't happened yet, but that's where a difference here still was compared to the conversations that we'd had both uh, out east and, and down south. Um, that being said, is we're, we're about to be closing our Series A right after this. I'm going to be hopping, hopping on a call or we'll essentially be complete. We may even be oversubscribed. And that happened to be with a, a group out of Alberta. So, so we, picked, we picked a good day to talk. I want to be associated we with did. this good experience we, you're about to have. Yes, uh, <laughs> I came and, on this podcast uh, and next thing we closed our deal. Like, I, I think that's a testimonial right, it writes itself, uh, Norm. <laughs> exactly. Well done. Well done. Uh, you, you the quintessential the, the marketer that I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, it's neat that it came around full circle, but back to your question, it's uh, uh, the appetite for openness and the appetite also to be somewhat more predatory mm -hmm. um, okay. is, is also there. So there's, you know, it's, it's, it's a balance, but uh, let's not kid ourselves. You got to understand that even if you have a smaller piece of a bigger pie, you got to have this money to move forward and you need some, the growth capital to do it. And this group that you're talking about, obviously we're not going to get it. We won't get into the details. Was this a group that you, you had known throughout like over a period of time and finally they were ready, you were ready, or is this also a challenge of just getting in the right, like, I guess, how many conversations have you been able to have? And are those rooms easy, easy to get into, but hard to get the funding or is it even hard to get in front and have the, get the audience? You know, got to say across the board with the concept uh, as, as zero sound, because it is uh, so simple to grasp. Um, 
there it wasn't difficult to get into the rooms. There was the difficult to understand how that could be uh, monetized for some groups, or they simply, uh, given the stage we were at, uh, were asking very significant amounts um, as if we were just starting out. So that's that was a very interesting balance. Now that you ask, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but that's. Uh, yeah, that was a very interesting time after we got the uh, the Rosenbauer contract around the fire trucks. That that opened a lot of doors, um, certainly. But then that became um, uh, almost a negotiating position of, well, you've got that, but you don't really have anything. When two months before, you got to say, secure your first client, and you're great. Come back. It's a bit of a a, a dual. Yeah, since we're diving in on this, and I've had a few guests recently, I was talking to um, uh, Michael Litt as one of the founders of Vidyard out of Waterloo, and he was talking about one of his missions is reframing that model for how much early stage startups are giving up to get that investor money and how much it compromises them on the journey. Like you've got your first round and you're already in no position to scale and scope and bring in that second, the series B or whatever happens next. He was talking about, he got quite passionate about like that just in Canada specifically, we've got a broken model that really hamstrings uh, startups because of the, the, the term sheets that are getting put in front of them. It's that you're nodding a little bit. No one's on video, yeah. but we're both nodding each other here as we're talking. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And that, that is the classic challenge, too, for any for any startup and entrepreneur. You can't be an army of one and try and conquer anything. So you do have to scale. You do have to grow. Uh, but then uh, to what end? Uh, you can go and do that as, as one option. What we had done is milestone-based investing, showing not only that we could execute, but then we would de-risk and then continue to enhance our share value, which is all well and good, but that carries its own risks. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress um, on top of it all because you're you're focusing less on building the business and yeah. you're constantly you're, you're, you're hang, it's You're hanging the target almost in the wrong place sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, skipping ahead, we wouldn't do it differently and with, with where we're at and what we, we're about to be <clears throat> moving forward on. But um, a constant challenge for, and especially for those that may not be as experienced uh, if they're just kicking off, haven't been involved with other successes, failures, and otherwise, where you can contextualize what do you want and why do you want to do it? Um, that's not a, um, well, it's not a view that everyone has just by virtue of their, the stage of the, of the career that they're at. Yeah, no, it's, you're so excited. That's so easy to get compromised at that point based on lack of experience or kind of being so focused on the idea. And all of a sudden you take a deal and don't even realize it almost feels like the, the artist who signs the record deal too soon. And then, you know, there's many movies been made out of that kind of scenario. It feels similar <laughs> in some ways, a weird comparison maybe. Um, so in that, I've had a few other guests talk about that, like that chasm of death that happens or, you know, for the cause of few things, I think chasm of death is a good one. Any role, or did you guys have a like, provincial government, municipal, federal, is there a role that you either see government could play more in there or have played in your experience? Like uh, I'm, I'm a big believer that government needs to set us up for success and kind of get out of the way. But at the same time, what could, is there ways that maybe they could get, be more supportive or less of a, less of a burden on this journey that you've been on? Right. And couldn't agree with you more. We can't ask, uh, 
father mother government to solve the problems for us <laughs> no. set up the right environment and get the hell out of the way um and but at the same time there there is an opportunity when whether there's those the incentives and setting it up right for tax credits for for this uh, tech investment but let's get even more practical where similar to what the living labs with calgary does although take it a step further governments on all levels should be or um to say mandated, let's just use that word, but they should have programs whereby they are the first customers for these companies proven. They don't have to go go out of their way for things that aren't um, applicable, but be that first blue chip client, be that credible. And now you can say when you go out to, to the greater markets, we've already got a government, okay, that's that's a huge check mark and programs like that would certainly help and frankly it would just help government and procurement on their own because look uh look uh, just look locally for a problem that you're having take stony trail as an example huge problems with stony trail right now on the ring road and noise it's all over the media it's all over in terms of complaints not only from the construction but from the new sections of road that are opening and, and bugging neighborhoods us reaching out and now we're working with those groups to to work to identify and provide a solution where there really weren't any effective other solutions a great example of win-win locally everyone in that whole scenario couldn't couldn't be happier again let's extend this that we, we do move forward conversations are early but it's a great example of how um you can look locally and many times there's a solution right here that just needs a little bit of a leg up and then the world's your oyster and what a good news story in a, in a, in a town or a province that needs every good news story we can get our hands on right now <laughs> yeah 100 percent. so from a cut from a customer or go-to-market perspective have you like that your your first customer are they based in Canada or are they abroad are they just curious of like where because obviously it sounds like the world is is a little bit potentially your customer in terms of the industrial applications for this thing right and how we got to, it may be interesting for for context here how we actually got to uh, you think fire trucks that's a weird and oddly niche market which correct it is weird and oddly niche from from where we were going um, but we had through our network direct contacts to the largest manufacturer of fire trucks in north america and also globally they're based out of um out of minnesota actually and so but they cover off the us and canadian markets there so that's that's how we got into that um, the first responder side and there's a whole segment around emergency services that is incredibly underrepresented and underserved and uh, so that where we have the natural ins will just go and grow from there and once again these issues are not um specific to to the us or canada but they are based in um based in the us but that said we're we've got a strategic partnership with uh, a group called cgen that are building uh micromodular data centers out in okotoks also global applications two local companies partnering together but industrial equipment construction, as I mentioned. Uh, so, you know, that's where we'll, we planted our flag from a North American perspective, but with the application of our technology, at least the, the solutions are very similar wherever it is globally or whatever market that is. 
any any perceptions, good or bad, for being Canadian? Like you're down in Minnesota, you know, we all know that by America, there's you know, there is a little bit of like you, <laughs> territorialism that's happened globally in the last, like probably even the last couple of years, but the last six, eight months for sure. Was there any kind of, was there any perception issues, good or bad of like, where are you guys located? Like Calgary, what, first of all, where is it? What's a Calgary? Like, did you have any of that? I'm really oversimplifying, but it's come up with other guests that sometimes it's an advantage or sometimes it's just a like, oh, you're in Canada. Okay, we get that. You guys are really friendly, easy to deal with. Okay, we're good. Has there been any of that when you've been out there, especially, you know, someone who's traveled or worked globally that you have? Is there any perception of being based here that's been a, a plus or a minus? Oh, I, let's go with the... Uh from from the challenge perspective is we're own we're, we are our own best kept secret we don't we don't scream from the rooftops enough uh, we're not visible enough uh, just to be around and somehow you really have to trip over us to find us unless you're at the stage where you can uh, start beating those drums so that's that's been the challenging part and you're right you know having lived and worked abroad you're used to having to explain where the heck calgary is and then you go through Stampede and 88 Olympics and all that other kind of stuff, which yes. is giving a little It's amazing bit when you travel how many people know about Stampede. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but from that positive, you know, that, that would be the challenging note. I hadn't been, hadn't seen too much beyond that from, if, if, you're, if we're calling that a challenge. Um, and on the positive side, there is an inherent um, level down of let's just have a, a, a very direct and frank conversation um, their bullshit detector seems to go uh, into low power mode uh, for the most part because the authenticity just seems to be more there if we're stereotyping. But that's that's the positive. Well, the stereotypes exist we, for we, good reasons and bad reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Oh, interesting. So, from your guys' perspective, obviously this is tech, this is a tech play. How, what's the talent pool been like? Like, just I'm just going down my list of all the things that are going to help or hinder any company, but especially in the startup space. You got a great customer, you got a great idea, but oh, I can't get talent, or the talent that I have isn't where I need them to be. What's that been? What's that? What's that aspect of the journey been for like you guys specifically based in Western Canada? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because it it really did happen organically, and it, this was somewhat by design. Um, of course, now with the Series A um, getting uh, close to to completion, um, we are of course building that core team up. And what uh, my partner Ray Sobel and I had done from the beginning is. Um, through our network, we built an advisory board, not board formally, but an advisory board of varying talents that um, we could lean on um, and also knew that, hey, we can't pay you. We, we can work with options or otherwise, and then let's just uh, be there to support. And our, our end game to that is when we have the funding, these people, if we've chosen correctly and there is a fit, let's bring them on board. And so that that is that is what we're in the process of doing now, um, and what we're also looking for in terms of uh, like a lead uh, chief engineer. There's a lot of engineering talent, as we know, unfortunately, available in Calgary. So that part is is coming along, at least in the early days, there's a lot of uh, selection here, brought on uh, a COO, um, um, and she has been fantastic and instrumental in a number of introductions, including 
you and me. Yes, I think that's a mutual. That's, that, is, that is a mutual friend, and I think that's a, that's the that's the sole reason you and I are talking right now. I could, I, yeah, yes, yeah, I, exactly. I, you, you guys are incredibly fortunate to have her on the team. So I can I yeah, can say absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and that was a long. Her and I just had agreed that we figured we should work together at some point in the future. So this, I love I love, I love those kind of relationships. Like if we're both happen to be single at the same time, we're going to date. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I would say the that recruitment element so far that's that's our context and very happy okay. with it. Building out the core team here again, we can employ quite a number. We want the team as small as possible. Let's not kid ourselves. It's not a badge of honor to have the biggest team. Um, yes, I, I would agree with you on that one. <laughs> been there, done that, and so have the smallest core focused team. But uh, that that said, we still got to have everyone to grab the tiger by the tail here and execute on on what we're doing. And back to a couple of questions ago, um, we've got a couple dozen potential positions here, call it in the next 12, 24 months. We can manufacture here in Calgary, though we don't have to. Other jurisdictions seem to be a little friendly or have more incentives. There's just a bit of a lack for uh, the lip service that is going on from an economic development perspective. Um, uh, we can talk about OSIF at some point, but um, that that connect is, I'll just say, is, is, is not overly there at this point. And that, whether that's a, a, a negative comment or maybe that's um, us not uh, presenting our story adequately enough. Sure, that could be on both sides, but I would just say I've heard this from others as well that um, companies that are at that, that transformational point like ours are just, it's still difficult to get uh, the right attention. You're not the first guest who's brought that up. So, hey, you you, you dropped it. I, it. It needs to be talked about. Osif, has that been an experience for you? Have you gone through that process? Is that is something that you guys were involved in, and it didn't didn't come to fruition? I've had I've had specifically uh, Rohit Joshi from Bright Squid on talking about the work they did with Osif, and he was very candid. They got there in the end, but what they got there wasn't what they started off. It was a two year project. Like it was quite arduous. Like he he came in and just was very honest about the journey that it was, and it, it sounded like it could have been a lot better <laughs> right yeah and from from our experience um it was just a non-starter um really end of sentence it uh you're too early uh maybe come back to us again at, at just an unrealistic uh, time perspective and uh, i understand that they're going through some it's an internal restructuring and otherwise and great because that that program 100% uh, needs to be restructured and, uh, and, and work to support, uh, look, for what it's set up to do, or at least uh, for that mandate, I know of no, no uh, groups that I've spoken with and I'm very active in the community that have had that positive experience um, with them. And again, there's, there's opportunities really, you don't have to just do a, a higher risk pre-revenue or early stage or otherwise, there can still be a balance, but it just seemed those companies that need it most um, or would benefit from it most um, are not able to access those funds uh, or given attention to. And it's really not, in many cases, you see some of the companies that are awarded and they're great companies, don't get me wrong, but some of them aren't on that uh, 
if we're promoting high tech and transformational, that's not overly um, in that call it, in that segment. So uh, that's that's an observation from our perspective. No, and I've had many guests on talk about it, and it's you know certainly the idea and the concept sounded great, but the reality doesn't seem to be holding together. Certainly from that, and I know like you said, there is some restructuring going on, but. I say, but, and this is a now problem that we're working on. Like we're, we're on a transformation that's going to take 15 or 20 years. Like, you know, it's, it's the old joke I've said before. When's the best plan? When's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? But if not 20 years ago, how about today? Like we got to get planting these trees because, you know, we need, we have the, the, this is a now problem, but it's a time, it takes time to transform and, you know, move this ecosystem from the resource-based economy that we were to a more, just a more diversification. You know, I certainly won't say, I don't, I think resources will definitely continue to play a role. We just, just need more horses in the race <laughs> to oversimplify. Yeah, exactly. Back to if you want to do something new, you have to do stop doing something old. And we yeah, can, I like that one a lot. I'm going to requote you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and and it doesn't have to be that we abandon our roots in that, but it also doesn't mean that we have to stick to them so vigorously that uh, that we're missing missing the boat. And we should be singing our or praising our successes. Um, a hell of a lot louder. Well, and I think Back that's a great the, way. The example. Here's a yep. here's a unicorn, and uh, I heard about it uh, a couple of weeks after it had happened. And I'd like to think that I'm paying attention to what's going on, and it's just a, another best kept secret. Um, there's some just some great green shoots that are that are coming here, and with those, it's a that self fulfilling prophecy of local people who've done well that want to stick around, create another and foster more um, similar companies like that without just being a mosaic of incubators that we have now, which is also mm-hmm. part of a part of the challenge. No, part of you talk to, you know, I've talked to people in Waterloo, I've talked to people in the Valley, kind of the two obvious kind of tech hubs that it's easy to talk to. And they talk about that, you, you know, you sit at a coffee shop and there's two or three individuals that you know are well-funded that have exited they have experience they have connections they have money like there's just this circle of 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 innovation that's happening and support and you know i've had other startups on like hey i got some money but i need guidance and i need that person to sit at my table and say hey have you thought of these 10 things because these are landmines that i've stepped on and let me introduce you to these five people because they're going to move you forward and we've got to get to that and you know back to the comment on case study if that's the best way to reposition our brand of Calgary with telling these Solium stories and Benevity stories and getting out there because it's like, oh, I guess there is maybe more going on there than just this, you know, I have lots of friends across the country and we still get looked at as just like, oh yeah, remember when you guys were successful with oil? Yeah, you're paying the bills now. It's just a weird little kind of your successful neighbor is now all of a sudden goes bankrupt and you kind of like it. It's not a, it's not a good, it's not productive. <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. And then when you've got... Uh take the antibiotics back to it, you know, CNBC top 50 and they're the Ontario teachers fund, just investing another significant amount. And then these guys are absolutely going places and growing and just breaking the mold. It's, 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 there's one, then there's two, then there's a third. And then all of a sudden we get some momentum. So there's the positive um, around it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if we had, and this goes back to one of your questions where you said, what could government do? It's also what industry and the private sector could do, uh, because I was involved um, in multinationals uh, and the like, and I know how slow they can be. It's not, they're not exactly nimble, but they've got absolutely a ton of dry powder where they can, Mm -hmm. they can help. Having that, even a dedicated program to once again, be that first 
use case. Be that first client, if it's a small amount or otherwise, and just go and grow with, with groups. There, Some of it is happening, but it's also an incredibly difficult, and I've been on that side, so I know, it's an incredibly difficult internal sell in many cases. So that's, uh, if anyone's listening on that front, in the, in the larger uh, companies and corporations, that's, that small program really can transform a business like that because it uh, it just opens a door and then it's a it's about merit does this thing work or does it not mm-hmm. no it doesn't very quick easy when it does work it's a built-in innovation ecosystem for the larger companies great they don't have to go and invent internally because that's slow um and there's just another win-win well, back to core competencies, if you look at these big organizations, what they do well is risk mitigation. What they do well is process. What they do is just, this is the way we do it. And then you take a startup, what they do is the opposite. It's test and learn, fail forward, like whatever buzzy terms you want to throw at it. You hear a lot of the entrepreneurship kind of concept, but I've also chatted with large organizations of the entrepreneurs in there. And it is an upward battle all the time, even if it's kind of comes down from the top, like this is our mandate to innovate around these things. It's just really hard because their DNA doesn't necessarily go there. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And back to the, even the DNA on the flip side with, um, from the startup perspective, uh, many, many of them um, from that court, that uh, maturity level, um, professionally, they may not have that experience. This is then about, okay, the tech works, but you can't base it on that. It's about the problem you're solving and the why. And now it's about execution, execution, execution. And that's then the next step where that's another tripwire that certainly can be, uh, can be hit. And I have noticed a, uh, uh, I guess that goes back to an advisory board um, concept, uh, like I said, which worked extremely well for us and it continues to do so. But I've also noticed and had some good conversations with uh, um, my network very recently where more and more the outsourcing of C-suite talent or the placement of C-suite talent more on a temporary basis up until the company is at a certain stage and then do they continue or do they not? Um, Just heard that percolate um, a lot more lately and certainly the concept is there um, it goes back to also leveraging some of the successes of, of groups locally where you can cherry pick groups that normally you couldn't afford necessarily, but are, are willing to go ahead and do that and contribute. Of course, it's not all altruistic. They'll, they'll, they'll make or do something. It's still going to be win-win, but that's it was an interesting uh, trend that I, I noticed lately. Uh, the advisory board concept versus the traditional board of directors concept. I've run into that a few times and I've been invited to sit in on just a few, just even younger companies. I just, there's a different gener- There's a generation coming that looks at that very differently of like, yeah, I want to surround myself with these people and that willingness and openness to be at the table, like in a more of a less formal, but like you say, it still could be a win-win and that, that that's fine versus just altruistic. And I want to make the world a better place, but that it, it, it kind of reduces the barrier of, of, of the risk of making it too formal too soon. Right. <laughs> Hundred percent, and too many have seen uh, just uh, in, in my past. They're passing out board seats like poker chips, and <laughs> it's it's not going to serve anyone well. And that's a, a, great, a significant risk for them. Um, there are the 
uh, the predatory sharks. Uh, just yeah. anyway, there are the sharks out there that uh, can see that as a means to an end. So it's just uh, another thing. That's where uh, some of the, the positives around incubators or these uh, groups uh, do certainly help um, to get that advice and out there. But it's, uh, uh, again, from a practical perspective, a lot of times it's a, a little bit too late and something's already been done. Interesting. From a, from a community, and this kind of ties, maybe ties a bunch of it all around, from a community standpoint, is it, or do you find, like, is it inclusive? Is there kind of, is there a sense of abundance or a sense of scarcity? scarcity? You mentioned the concept of predatory, and I chatted with Danielle Torrey when she was at Startup, and she's like, so many people come in, they're like, oh, I'm scared to share my idea. She's like, well, if you don't share your idea, you're not going to get feedback on how you can make it better. But that community sense of like, let's get together because there's a sense of opportunity and abundance, or is it a little bit more scarcity where people are worried about that predatory a risk and then keep their ideas a little bit closer, which sometimes can keep them in the dark too long. I don't know. What, what have you have had experience with that with specifically the Calgary community and how it operates? I'd say um, our experience has been, it's been very open um, in, in so many cases. And that may be just by virtue of uh, whether it's personal network or, or comfort. Um, you're hundred percent right. Too many times people hold it too close to the vest and then, well, what's the point? If you've got your IP squared away and you understand what you're going to do and not going to do, having good counsel on that, um, then then that that problem seems to go away. But the overall in Calgary, I think, has been very supportive um, and and open in meeting people. Last year, you go to the Bant Venture Forum, which is a lot more local. We happened to win that one, by the way. That's why I'm throwing it in. Um, <laughs> but people are just, uh, people, you know, just open and it, it's a lot of fun. So give it, give it, that's the overall uh, vibe, I would say. Okay. Uh, but you've got- Which is, so which is positive. I'm happy to hear, I'm happy, I'm happy to hear that. That's kind of the vibe I've been getting. But I always, I the whole, sh the whole point of the show is providing the audience with different perspectives of things that maybe you know about or you've heard about and you've got to, you just, it's another way to look at the, to turn the, turn the coin around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on that, there's, there's, let's go back to this, this pre-revenue um, stage. Mm -hmm. Within that stage, it's its own continuum. It could be Tyler and, and Norm on the back of a napkin saying, okay, well, let's do this. And we're, we're pre-revenue. Or it could be a company that has IP sewn up, orders pending, and the product isn't quite ready. And that, that's different. So that also comes with a, how open are you? based on your success if you're too early it's a bit of a um stage element i think also from that perspective so those that are holding it closer are probably a little bit younger yeah that's it yeah i, I love how you like that was two very extreme like both well, those both those stories you gave were technically pre-revenue <laughs> but yeah. very very different in terms of how much is the sell and how much is maybe substance versus you know that that whole that whole side of it a little because it is a little bit of a sell right you're still selling an idea <laughs> you're just selling it with just how much substance you have behind it or not at what stage you're at all qualified as pre-revenue uh, it's nice to it's good to look at it that way because you think oh that's just the idea stays no technically it's still pre-revenue <laughs> yeah and we've had hmm. to say that till we're in the face and now i just i lead with it and i use that example all the time frankly and it's like oh okay gotcha so go through, here's what we've de-risked, go through these 10 bullet points. Oh, okay. Now the conversation is 100% different and you just have to get used to that after your 100 plus 
conversation with groups around these things, you understand where the objections are, where the misunderstandings are. Of course, your messaging gets that much more succinct, and that's the continuous improvement. Yeah, which, which, which is which is the journey, right? In, in itself and in, in all of its aspects. And But having a sense of community around you or people to say, hey, before you go into this, did you think of this? Did you cover that? That's where that advisory board or sitting around a table with people that have that are a few stages ahead of you to learn from that. Like, you know, I mean, I've been in executive groups for years off and on. And the whole goal is I, I get to sidestep a landmine that someone else in that room has already stepped on and then they explain it to you in detail. That That's hugely beneficial and, you know, sometimes can save your life, literally, <laughs> not, to, not to overdo the landmine uh, metaphor. <laughs> yep, hundred percent. Yeah, Norm, I appreciate your I appreciate your perspective and and the reality of like being in being on the journey the way you have and kind of experience different perspectives to come at it just very matter of fact and being able to share your experience the way you have it's super insightful for me and I really I, I would I would expect my audience the audience our audiences have the same experience but uh, we would I would be remiss without a blatant promotion what is the best way for people to get a hold of you to learn about zero sound to come running in with bags of money because they're so excited about your idea. Wow. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> all of the above that. are options, Norm. All of the above are options. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We are. You know. That said, when, when I was talking about, first of all, where you can learn more about us at uh, zerosound.net. Um, that 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 covers off what we do and how we do it in terms of the applications, and we're always open to to speaking with new potential clients. Uh, no, no matter, no matter what. And uh, back to the growth capital element, as I mentioned with our Series A, uh, close to being subscribed or oversubscribed. I would like to also qualify. We are still looking for the right strategic and financial partners focusing on growth because uh, with a global opportunity, uh, that's it's really that is a function of how we can execute it. So appreciate uh, you allowing me to throw that in there. Absolutely, and congratulations on the. I don't want to. I don't want to knock on wood that things are moving forward with your series A. That's exciting, and I, I appreciate the what feels like a very calculated approach that you guys have taken to get to where you are. And you need to, yeah, you just need to throw some gasoline on that fire. Is what it sounds like from over here. Hundred percent. Pour some nitrous on that thing, and we'll talk again. <laughs> let's, put, let's push. <laughs> let's push the button and see how fast this thing can go. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I already. We just set up for a round two. This is a. People are like, are they going to do a? It's like when you watch that movie. You're like, I think they set us up for a second episode. Hundred percent. Right. <laughs> so I look forward to having you back on, and uh, I'm going to uh, find a way to uh, loop myself in on a uh, on a on a manufacturing floor tour. I love hardware and gadgets and how things work. So I will. Uh, I'll insert myself into your schedule somewhere here over the next little bit. <laughs> Happy to have you anytime. My pleasure. Norm, it was a great chatting with you. Absolute pleasure. Have a wonderful day. You too. Take care.